Section 79 of The Mysteries of London, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gary B. Clayton. The Mysteries of London, Volume 3, by George W. M. Reynolds. The Knight and the Captain. Captain O'Blunderbuss murmured sir christopher in a faint tone as he sank back dismayed into his seat be the powers and how are ye my hearty old cock was the polite salutation of the gallant gentleman as advancing close up to the knight he grasped his hand and shook it with as much energy as if he were a policeman carrying off a starving mendicant to the station-house for the heinous crime of begging thank you captain i'm i'm pretty well responded sir christopher well that's a blessing be jesus cried the captain coolly taking a seat is a claret that you're after drinking sir christopher he demanded taking up the bottle and holding it between his eyes and the lamp elegant stuff in its way but not my lush have you no potine in the house sir christopher potine replied the knight not understanding the name nor half liking the intrusion is it you sir christopher that don't know what real irish potine is cried the captain why there's never a child in old ireland that can't spill potine whisky sir christopher whisky but i'll save you the trouble of ringing for it yourself and with these words captain o'blunderbuss applied his hand most vigorously to the bell pole the footman answered the summons your master says sir exclaimed the captain that you're to bring up a bottle of the best irish whisky rail poteen in a tumbler with a spoon a lemon hot water and sugar and look sharp about it too the domestic retired and sir christopher stared in amazement at the captain for the worthy knight was so astounded by the free and easy manners of his visitor that he was not quite certain whether he sir christopher blunt was actually in his own house at the moment or whether he was in some public coffee-room where everyone had a right to order the waiter about as he chose i hope you're not offended with me sir christopher by making myself at home said the captain but it isn't me that's the boy to stand on in his ceremony the knight thought that his visitor could never have said a truer thing in his life not i be jesus continued captain o'blunderbuss but then i'm the man to let others do the same with me and if you should ever find yourself in the wilds of Connemara, sir christopher just ask the first naked urchin you meet with to show the way to blunderbuss park and see if i don't treat you as you deserve to be treated bloody mother it's me that keeps open house save when the sheriff's officers are prowling about the neighbourhood which is generally from the first of january to the thirty-first of december every year the servant now made his appearance with the whisky and the etceteras which the gallant gentleman had ordered and the said gallant gentleman straightway began to brew himself some toddy with the air of an individual who had had nothing stronger than mild ale to drink all day long may i request to be informed began sir christopher his courage reviving now that the captain's visit appeared to be one altogether of an amicable nature faith and is it to be informed ye'd be ejaculated o'blunderbuss as he stirred his whisky and water up with a spoon but don't alarm yourself sir christopher 
My call this evening was merely just to ask ye how you do and present you with a little note from that real broth of a boy, Mr. Frank Curtis. Frank, my nephew, exclaimed Sir Christopher, what can he want with me? Surely tis not to congratulate, but no, he can't have heard of that yet. Be the powers, and is there anything to congratulate you upon, Sir Christopher? cried the captain. Have ye been made a baronet, or elected an alderman? I would have you know, Captain O'Blunderbuss, said the knight in a solemn tone, that I was once so unadvised as to put up for Portsock and Bay Jesus have nothing to do with a pot. It lies heavy on the stomach, my friend, interrupted a gallant officer. Drink potine, and you'll never grow old nor yet grey. But we were speaking of congratulations. Is it possible your dear wife has tumbled down the stairs and broken her neck? Or has she presented ye with a pledge of her affliction? Since you must know, Captain O'Blunderbuss, it is it's the latter. I give ye joy, old brick, vociferated a gallant officer, and seizing Sir Christopher's hand, he subjected it to such a process of violent shaking that the victim almost yelled out in agony. But from what Frank told me, continued the captain, at length relinquishing the hand which he had so unmercifully squeezed, I thought you hadn't been married long enough for such a happy event to take place. However, I wish you joy, me friend. And now to business. Read this little bit of a note, and you'll be charmed with the kind way in which Frank Curtis speaks of ye. The knight received the letter, which the captain handed to him. But ere he had time to break the seal, the door opened and a nurse made her appearance. Well, nurse, what is it? demanded Sir Christopher. Please, sir, was the reply. Mrs. wants to know who it is has come with such a tremendous knock and ring that it has set her poor head aching, ready to split, and the blessed baby crying as if he wasn't fit. Tell your mistress, nurse, exclaimed the visitor in an imperious tone, that is Captain O'Blundabus of O'Blundabus Park, Ireland, with an awful rattling of the R's, and present my best respects to your lady and the baby. Thank you, sir, replied the nurse. But Mrs. says, Sir Christopher, please, that she hopes you won't make no noise in the house. Very well, very well, my good woman, exclaimed the knight hastily. Tell your mistress I shall not be engaged long, and will come up and see her presently. Very good, sir, and the nurse withdrew. Sir Christopher then proceeded to open the letter, but as was with trembling hands, for the visit of the nurse had thrown him into a most unpleasant state of nervousness he being well aware that he should receive a blowing up on account of the captain's call although no one could possibly wish more devoutly than himself that such a call had not taken place you tremble sir christopher cried the captain but there's no need to be alarmed for your nephew hasn't sent you a challenge so let your mind be at peace and read the little note at your leisure i'm in no hurry for an hour or two and indeed the captain appeared to be quite comfortable for he brewed himself a second glass of whiskey and water threw some coals upon the fire and trimmed the lamp in such a way that the flame rose above the globe meanwhile sir christopher perused the letter with great attention and did not altogether seem to relish its contents i really cannot oblige my nephew in this respect he said fidgeting the paper about in his hands the truth is he has not behaved altogether well to me nor to lady blunt and if i was to do this for him lady blunt would be so angry 
he must fight his own way in the world captain o'blunderbuss as i did for i have no hesitation to admit that i rose from nothing indeed i glory in the fact and having filled the high and responsible office of sheriff with credit to myself and advantage to my fellow-citizens damn the high office of sheriff exclaimed the gallant gentleman striking his fist upon the table i want my money and it isn't captor o'blunderbuss that you'll be after putting off in this snaking fashion but my dear sir began the knight in a tone of gentle remonstrance i don't owe you the money by jesus but your nevy does and therefore it's all in the family cried the captain that is a proposition i cannot agree to my dear sir returned the knight you mean to differ from me demanded the captain looking desperately ferocious why as for that i-i you mean to differ from me i repeat vociferated captain o'blunderbuss again striking the table with his fist but so violently this time that the bottles and glasses danced a hornpipe answer me that sir christopher i don't wish to offend you captain i couldn't wish to do that but added a knight i must beg leave most respectfully to dissent from the proposition that i am in any way answerable for the debts of mr curtis and since he has married a lady of fortune let him be candid with her at once and is it candid that he's to be when the wife would kick up hell and blazes cried o'blunderbuss but i tell you pretty frankly my friend that if you don't shell out the seven hundred pounds seven hundred ejaculated sir christopher it says only five hundred in the letter i don't care two raps for the letter answered the captain all i know is that mr frank curtis your nevy had seven hundred of me and be jesus i'll have seven hundred of you it can't be done sir christopher said doggedly then be the holy poker i'll shoot ye to-morrow morning vociferated the gallant officer so name your friend and i'll take care that ye shan't be after shirking this time as ye did when you had me mate my friend Mother. really captain o'blunderbuss this strange conduct on your part is is stammered the knight scarcely knowing what to do or say while his countenance became elongated to an awful extent strange strange do you say exclaimed the captain why you're adding insult to injury man but don't deserve yourself ye don't come to counterfeit a crank over me by jesus i'm not the boy to be bullied after his fashion sir christopher so shell out the eight hundred or be the lord harry eight hundred murmured the miserable knight now cruelly alarmed at the vociferous manner and the progressive attempt at extortion on the part of his visitor eight hundred is what i lent and eight hundred is what i'll have back said the captain in a determined tone and if you're after denying your debts of honour sir christopher i'll make such an example of ye as shall let all the world know what ye are as soon as i've shot ye dead which i'll do in the morning you surely wouldn't commit such a crime without without just provocation urged the knight in a coaxing manner i'll not hear another word of paltry excuse sirrah replied the captain starting from his seat and if the money isn't forthcoming in the twinkling of a bedpost i'll flay ye first and shoot ye afterwards oh dear oh dear says the wretched sir christopher 
what shall i do i wouldn't mind the five hundred that my nephew asked for since he promises so faithfully to pay me again but eight hundred nine thundered the captain do you mean to tell me as good as that i'm a liar and that i can't recollect the mounts be jesus i never was so insulted in my life and nothing but blood can wash it away blood murmured sir christopher my blood and i the father of a family as i may say so much more dishonourable for ye to dispute a just debt and try to shook off this bastardly fashion cried the captain twirling his moustache and eyeing sir christopher in a way which made the latter tremble in every limb i always thought that ye was a man famous for your straightforward dealings but now i'm deserved grossly deserved and i'll send my friend to ye to-morrow morning before you've had time to break the shell of your first egg at breakfast well captain to oblige you said sir christopher i don't mind if i write a cheque for five hundred pounds but i positively will give no more i won't indeed i can't put down the paltry five hundred then on the draft exclaimed the captain and i'll make mr curtis fork me out the rest at his convenience the miserable sir christopher though feeling that he had been completely bullied into the settlement of the demand made upon him nevertheless stood in such an awful dismay of the warlike irishman that he wrote a check for the five hundred pounds which said check the captain secured about his person declaring and now my friend i look over all the insulting words you have applied to me this evening but be the power if i hadn't a great respect for you i'd make a mummy of ye before ye was twelve hours older having thus spoken the captain tossed off the remainder of his whisky and water shook the knight violently by the hand once more and took his departure just as the nurse was coming down to desire that sir christopher would get rid of his desk and send up the keys of the wine cellar to his ladyship now strange as it may appear to the reader considering all that they know relative to the character of captain o'blunderbuss it is nevertheless a fact that he never once thought of appropriating to his own use the amount just extorted from the knight he was a man who would not hesitate to get into debt without the least intention of ever paying the same he moreover thought that he had accomplished a highly meritorious deed in extorting the five hundred pounds from sir christopher but he was honourable after his own fashion that is to say he would scorn to perpetrate an actual robbery or to betray the trust reposed in him by an accomplice he was in fact one of those curious but not uncommon beings who might be trusted with a thousand pounds to convey to the bank for a friend but who would borrow eighteen pence without the remotest intention of ever repaying it and who thought that the most brilliant act a gentleman could achieve was to choose a creditor accordingly the clock had scarcely struck eleven and frank curtis was already beginning to get uneasy when the captain's thundering knock at the front door in baker street proclaimed his return and in a few moments the young gentleman was made acquainted with the success experienced by his friend and now be the holy poker we'll make a night of it said the captain when the front door having been duly secured the two worthies were once more seated in the dining-room and it's me myself that'll tell ye stories and sing ye real irish songs to keep ye awake my boy and a night they did make of it heaven knows 
and tremendous inroads were effected upon the supply of gin then in the garrison as the captain now termed the house such lies too as the captain and frank curtis told each other until the latter gentleman began to entertain the pleasing idea that the room was spinning round and that there were four candles on the table instead of two the gallant officer on the other hand carried his liquor like a man who was inaccessible to its inebriating fumes and when curtis fell dead drunk upon the carpet the captain considerately picked him up tossed him over his shoulder as if he was a sack of potatoes and thus transported him to the door of his wife's bedroom at which he deposited the senseless gentleman having intimated in stentorious tones that mrs curtis would do well to rise and look to her husband the captain then went downstairs again finished the bottle last opened and throwing himself on a sofa fell into a sound sleep end of section seventy nine recording by gary b clayton